Hey guys, welcome back to the Evolve Podcast. Today I have with me a very special guest, Mr. Jack Oliver Aaron. Uh, to do a little summary on Jack before we dive into this really amazing topic of socionics, uh, Jack is a British psychologist and founder of the World Socionics Society. He has been obsessed with Jungian personality type for a long time and runs both courses to teach socionics and diagnostic interviews to help work with, uh, with folks on, on types. So I'll, I'll let you kind of do a little bit more introductory for yourself, Jack, and we can get into some of these uh, topics that we have. Sure. So what else would I say? You've all introduced me so very nicely, Daniel. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say, what would I say? Um, yeah, I'm, I am a socionist. I do socionics. That's my, that's my passion. That is my, uh, my obsession, as you, as you quite rightly say. Um, <laughs> also, I, in my regular day job, I'm a business psychologist. Also, I do I do personality analysis, whether in my free time or or when I'm actually um, on the clock. Um, and yeah, I, I just uh, really like getting to understand different kinds of people, how they tick, what makes them work, that kind mm. of thing. And from there, utilizing well, usually often typology to really solve problems for them. That's what I really like doing. Sweet. I'm glad. And how long, so how long have you been in the psychology world? Mm. Well, let me think. I've probably been into it around four to five years now in terms of since I actually, yeah. you know, started work. I think five years since I actually started working in psychology, whether as a psychologist or loosely connected to being a psychologist, because I was a glorified secretary for a while as an EA. Yeah. Um, not, not my, not my finest moment. I should say that uh, I wasn't very good at it, but, um, definitely I've met all sorts of very interesting, often quite senior people and talking about, you know, aspects of their, you know, the problems they faced at work, um, how they work together in a team. Um, very, I, 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 for instance, just, um, just earlier this week, I was talking to a guy who spent 10 years as a soldier before he then joined a bank. So, so 10 years as a soldier, 10 years as a bank, he was fighting in Afghanistan. You just meet the most I extraordinary people. Oh yeah. I can, I can totally imagine. And I'm, mm. I'm really excited to dive into your, your history with people you worked with and, and your mm. broader lens of what you've seen in the, the socionics environment. Mm. So let's, so let's get into it. So why don't you explain yeah. to folks listening in, you know, what is socionics? Uh, and how does this differ from other personality types? Because you have, you have Enneagram, you have MBTI, you have Big Five, you have all these, you have DISC. So, you know, what what's what differentiates on socionics? Like, what about socionics? You, how did, why did you gravitate towards socionics? Mm. Well, I started out with a Myers-Briggs type indicator. And the beginning of that for me was in school, secondary school, went to one of those sort of posh private schools. Um, I was 15 when I was exposed to the Myers-Briggs type indicator in my sort of PHSC lesson, you know, like, uh, like social health education, sort of that, that, that sort of DOS subject everyone comes along to, and then they just sort of, you know, muck around because no examinations for it. But they got us to take the Myers-Briggs type indicator. I got ENTP and I was obsessed with it. And I went around the whole school um, asking people what they got in it. And then I forgot about it. And then yeah. like about a year later, I sort of just rediscovered it online. And I found a test and I thought, right, I'm going to find out what everyone else is. 
So I went around with the test on my computer. I remember it was a humanmetrics.com test. And I was getting everyone to fill that out. I got almost my entire year to fill it out. And I continued doing it even after. I had a whole type table. And I left, left school, went to university, and I continued doing it. I was hanging out in nightclubs with all these students, uh, all on, you know, drunk uh, on beer, you know, just really lots <laughs> of people, you know, splashing onto my computer, trying to get fill in their answers. I was accosting everyone I could see. Um, yeah, I was really just obsessed with testing people. But at some point in university, I was doing musical theatre as uh, not not my degree. My degree is philosophy, but I did musical theatre as, as like a hobby. In the, the student society, and I just started testing out my ability to actually work out people's types by talking to them. And, yeah. uh, and I set up a, a socionomic society. Um, I, for me, what, I'll explain what made me transition from Myers Briggs type to get to socionomic. This really was because I haven't really been answering your question. So, okay. the answer to your question is having done MBTI and discovering socionomics online, I realized it went into things in greater depth. It had a more robust theoretical structure behind it. If you think of the Myers-Briggs type indicator, you know, well, both Myers-Briggs type indicator and socionomics are both 16 type systems, both originating from Carl Gustav Jung. Um, the difference is one unlocks that inherent potential of Carl Jung far better than the other, which sort of sticks these four dichotomies and it gets quite simplistic. All extroverts are meant to be alike, all introverts are meant to be alike. And it's just, it, it, it's sort of quite ham-fisted, you can say, and sort of cack-handed how it's put together the theory compared to so, so it has a, such a theoretical elegance. Um, it makes some very important distinctions for understanding the types. The most important distinction of all, I would say, is the difference between strength and value. And the reason that is important is, for instance, there may be things which you like, but you're not good at. And there may be things which you are good at, but you don't like. The Myers-Briggs type is going to make that distinction. So what you're good at, you also like, and what you're not good at, you probably also don't like, or something like right. that. And they use preference which could mean either of those things, right? I prefer, you know, I, I prefer um, theoretical topics to practical topics because I'm better at them. But what if I actually like, what if I actually like cooking, even if I'm not good at it and I suck at it, but I really love it. I love food. My public yeah. can't tell me anything about that. It is, it is very important for intertype relationships. It's important for understanding, because if you look at the research on teams, right what sort of diversity makes a good team it's diversity where there are different strengths so maximally diverse strengths and minimally diverse values you want people on the same page too much diversity in values they're not on the same page but you want to bring different things to that table to actually make it a team rather than just a copy of, of the same person so you, so you cover each other's weak points that's what having diversity of strengths brings so, so only by making this distinction do you actually start to get a very useful theory for intertype relations. Now, you talk about other um, typologies, Enneagram, DISC, there, there, are, there are many different kinds floating around. What I would say is that socioeconomics overlaps with almost all of them. And where it overlaps, I'd say it actually has a more thorough, more robust job uh, done than the others. I think Enneagram, you know, it's a base three model 
it leads to nine types. It's often not entirely clear what exactly it's looking at. It rests on the idea that we're all traumatized at some point in our in our youth, and that that leads us to have a certain driver or motivator. Sociologics also covers motivations and, and, and types that it doesn't make assumption in terms of why you've got that, that motivation, just talks about what those are. So, and, yeah, so it sounds like even though all these different types have different missions, socionics kind of covers those missions within the bigger picture. I would say so. Um, as far as those relate to strengths and values and where you're more stubborn and where you're more flexible in terms of how you process information. So it's just a better job. It all comes from information metabolism, the idea that we are taking in the different kinds of information around us in the physical world or in our heads, if it's abstract, and processing it to varying levels of capability and efficiency and confidence. And if you arrange that into a hierarchy of different kinds of information into a hierarchy and how we in terms of process them, that is basically what the type is. And if you think about what information is, information is essentially everything. Because everything that's presented to us is information. So you could call socionics a theory of everything, which is why it has this <laughs> annoying habit of covering almost everything else. So the more I right. get into socionics, the less I've seen the need for all these other typology theories. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting. I just wanted to go back to something like your, your passion, right? So, mm. and that kind of, it kind of, your passion for socionics is tied very closely to its flexibility and, and range of opportunity, mm -hmm. right? Because as yes. you were like mentioning these other theories, and, and I've had this experience too, where, you know, Myers-Briggs or Enneagram seems one dimensional in the, in the context of application where it looks great on a window, right? It looks, it looks yeah. good on a whiteboard, but like going beyond the whiteboard, like you said, going to clubs, different environments, it's like, it's more, it's a dynamic theory, it sounds like. And I think because there's, potential for application that is a little bit too far reaching maybe for MBTI or these other theories, there's actually a lot to be done. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so like, you know, a lot of the questions I have today are going to be around inner type relations. Cause that's probably going to be the, the main focus that people want to go for. But um, I just, I connected the two. I was like, it's just ironic that you got motivated by the fact that it was more than one dimensional. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's something which has application and not just sort of very superficial application. If you, I, I've attended, I've attended these, um, these team development sessions using the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And yeah. it goes to, oh, sort yourself into extroverts versus introverts. What might uh, NTs be like compared to SFs or SJs? And it doesn't really dive deep into even the cognitive functions, which is supposedly such an important part. They don't even cover it in the Myers-Briggs company, for instance. Right. Uh, they, don't, they don't bring that stuff up in any kind of depth. It's sort of given a bit of lip service. But <laughs> if you talk about socionics, you are really diving deep into why you are doing what you're doing fundamentally. It's not just a combination of four dichotomies. It's, it's actually 15 different dichotomies and how they all interact with each other. And the more dichotomies you have, there's an exponential growth in number of interactions to create different effects, which is why it's also so complicated. You could turn socioeconomics into an entire degree. You can turn the Myers-Briggs into maybe a two-day <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, it, but so, yeah, go on. So I, I, before we got into the nitty gritty, which is this can go very quickly with, with socioeconomics, mm -hmm. 
you know, for everybody listening in, you know, this is, we're on a great trajectory. I wanted to, I wanted you to kind of like elaborate more on uh, how you've, you've seen, like starting with basics, right? Like taking on socionics, how do you, how have you seen everybody in your history? You know, there's some, a certain example that, that really sticks out to you. You know, how have you or, or someone you've known benefited from socionics mm. in a tangible yeah. real life way? Okay. I think of a few examples. Let me think, let me direct it first to myself. So I benefited hugely from socionics, not just because it gives me a steady passive income, but, uh, but, but more because my wife, right? I, I, I didn't have a girlfriend going further back. I had a few girls, it didn't quite work out. I met Zara using an online app. Um, that online app, I, I had socionics on the brain when I was trying to figure out who I should be with, I had an idea of my sort of profile. My 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 type is what's known as the ILE, basically the ENTP, the true ENTP of Jungian typology, and so I needed an STI, which is the true ISFP of Jungian typology, someone who would complement me in terms of my strengths but shared my values. So I had that in mind. When I was looking through, you know, this sort of app, a bit like Tinder, and when I matched with Zara. I thought, yeah, she looks like she could be the right sort of person. When I when I met up with her for our first date, I, I typed her there and then. She is definitely that that the right type. And things <laughs> blossomed, things developed, and next thing you know, we're married, and Zara's in her third trimester with our first child. Ah, oh, congratulations! That's that's that sounds amazing. That's amazing. And, um, and we yeah. got a very a very strong relationship. It is. It, it is it is we we are so on the same page and so many th different things but at the same time we're so uncannily different mm -hmm. so 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 break, so break that down a little bit you know so yeah. break down what you were looking for on that first date mm -hmm. in terms of socionics everybody listening is like yeah. i go on dates i go on <laughs> you know what <laughs> what is yeah. this guy doing that he, that they can apply in the background right so it's important to consider first of all yourself and what are you bringing to the table well for me as as you may people watching may notice from this whole conversation i have a lot of information and i have a tendency to jump around in different ideas and perspectives so i'm a very much an ideas oriented person <laughs> i dwell in the in the realm of theory and the abstract so that's a particular kind of person now well, I remember what, what Zara said to me, the reason she was interested in me after our first date was that I was taking her into conversation she'd never had before. I was opening up and broadening her horizons to new areas and perspectives and possibilities which just hadn't entered into her head. So I was, I was bringing a great positive to her in a way that not just anyone can necessarily bring. At the same time, what should she bring to me? She was someone who was very grounded, very comfortable, very down to earth, just relaxed. And in that moment, no, no intensity. She wasn't high strung. She wasn't stressy. She wasn't carrying all these expectations or putting any sort of pressure on me. She was just relaxed and there and present and listening and interested. And so, so those yeah, two things combine with you. It's like you both have these kind of needs based off of your, your temperament. Mm. And they just naturally fit. Yes. 
and it becomes more clear when became more clear when we were living together because mm-hmm. what the problem is i'm a bit useless in the day-to-day um <laughs> i'll give you a story i'll tell you a story um so zara was trying to get me to start cooking because i was never we never taught how to cook um so much education and yet i can't even cook so she asked me to, to weigh the, the rice i take out one of those sorts of flat scales and i just pour the rice straight onto, onto the scales <laughs> and it, it falls everywhere of course because you put your, I should have had a bowl or something it's an example of how useless i am so <laughs> yeah but that, that's the thing i had no idea what i was doing um I now cook. I, st- I take ages, but I but I, I can cook some nice food. I can do a, a salmon on croute. I can do um, <laughs> I, I can do. Um, I still have not mastered the beef Wellington. I need to get better at that. Yes. But it, it it's it's she grounds me in the day to day. She introduces me to experiences where I can just switch off my head and just be there and be ple- and, and be present. And she has such a logistical genius to her. She knows exactly what's in the cupboard, where it is, where what is not in the cupboard. She sees things I couldn't possibly see from just looking into that cupboard. She knows. She 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 knows what 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 our schedule is. You know who are we seeing and when. She's got such a fantastic mind for those minutiae, which are so important in the day to day. That if you don't keep track of them, you're going to end up in the complete mess. But she knows what they are and where they are. Mm. Um, uh, my life is so much easier from having her around. And I hope that, you know, my initially interesting conversational ability has also enriched her and broadened her horizons. Mm. So there, there is that sort of from such difference, there's, there comes compliment. And I think a lot of people in the Myers-Briggs community assume, oh, well, I'm an intuitive type, so I should also be around an intuitive type. But then you haven't got anyone filling in your weakest points. Yes, you'll have more abstract conversations, but if you're truly an intuitive type, do you really need someone else already being in the abstract as well? Like, what are they going to bring to you that you can't do yourself? Um, right. Complimentary. Yes. Waiting for a complimentary situation. Yes. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. There are situations where Zara, Zara won't know what I'm talking about. But that's when I got to actually sim- simplify it, put it into words she's going to more easily understand and talk it through with her. So yes. that that becomes a challenge to work through, which is ultimately more rewarding mm-hmm. um, because she's just not so used to the abstract stuff. If it becomes useful and practical in her life in the way that she can experience and see, then it actually is something which is very rewarding. And that by me doing that, it actually makes my ideas better. It becomes something which can actually help people rather than just, you know, oh, um, I'm talking about the, um, I don't know, uh, quadras. What are quadras? What are they about? What are what is um, what is the um, evaluatory situational function dichotomy? You know, it just becomes jargon. You've got to turn yeah. it into things people that actually can sort of see. And I, so, and so those are, that's a good point. And it's, it's mm. with, within all the jar, the jargon, right. It's mm. like, I can imagine somebody listening to this right now saying, okay, cool. Well, I love the fact that Jack and Zara are hitting it off. I love the fact mm. that they're in a dual relation, a dual relationship and relation. Mm. Um, how do you broaden that to everybody out there in, in a broad, in a broadening kind of sweep of, well, 
you know, I'm dating, I'm dating X and I have friends with Y and, you know, I have all these people, I have, a, I have all these people in my, in, in my life. How, how can I use socionics to better myself for those individuals? Right? Yes. So, yeah, you could say, oh, duality is the golden mean, as it were. Anything other than duality, why bother? That's the wrong way yeah. of thinking about it. You're going to have all sorts of people in your life, and you can have perfectly happy relationships with people who aren't your deal. What socionics, therefore, serves in such a situation is a, is, a, is a map. It's an ability to navigate very different kinds of personality, which aren't necessarily naturally going to slot into the way you are. Even duality comes with its challenges because you actually have to grow to actually work. If I had met Zara and I was 16 right, or, or even 20, that probably wouldn't have been a very good idea because it wasn't mature enough. Um, you, you actually, every relationship carries different sorts of challenges, uh, even duality. So really it's about understanding what those differences are and having techniques to manage them. This is something which I've been doing. Um, and Dan, you knew about my, for instance, relationship counseling, and I was piloting it a few yeah. years ago. I've since gone yeah. on to do some actual marriage counseling. Oh, wow. And so talking to people about their marriages, and these are people often older, like, like 40s, 50s, right? People who've gone through real trouble and understanding what is the nature of that in regards to their intertype relations. What's going on? Why aren't they feeling supported by their partner? Or maybe the partner actually is supporting them, just not in the way in which they actually expect. I had uh, one couple. One was um, like an EIE and ENFJ. The other one was ESE, ESFJ. So what does that tell me? They're both types which are extroverted ethics oriented. They're very expressive people, very passionate, very emotive people. They make decisions based on how they're feeling at that moment. Mm. But one was pursuing that in a very sort of intense, very sort of long-term future way. And he happened on bad times, had lost his had lost his job due to the, the lockdowns. And so yeah. he'd gone into a great depressive episode. And and his wife was far more conflict diverse. She didn't she didn't want, you know, that kind of intensity and that kind of argument-based uh way of thinking. And he didn't really understand uh why she couldn't see why he actually needed to get back onto this sort of big sort of future facing role. Something made him feel fantastic because he did, he was status driven and she couldn't see what st being status driven was why that would be important to someone like him because he'd be a beta type and beta types that quadrant, their values are very often status driven. Where am I in the hierarchy? You go to an alpha type, they're far more horizontal in their thinking. Everyone's sort of on the same level. So this idea that her husband needed to be, you know, of high status didn't really occur to her. So you've got to be able to understand the types and articulate those needs. And if you're married, you've got to accept that, right? That person is that sort of personality. That's what they need. You've got to accept that to be a good spouse and vice versa. And you've got to understand, therefore, through conversation, how you can reach some kind of compromise where you're both going to actually get what you need. That's the point. Marriage is always about compromise. There's no, there's no such thing as perfection. So, yes, you may, if you're of less, a less compatible type in the theory, you may have more you need to compromise on. And it's about actually having those discussions, talking it through, having someone who's sort of like a third party who, you know, is, 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 who's objective, you can look at the issues, 
and help you both to work on something, almost like a, a contract, almost like a sort of your, your tablet of stone, which you stick on your fridge, you could say. Yeah. That kind of idea. And so far, it seemed to be very helpful for people. Nice. That's that's so cool to hear that there are there are folks who are who are diving that deep, mm. you know, in terms of in terms of like the 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 orientations, right? Mm. Could you explain to you know folks out there what uh, the quadras and the intertype relations are more specifically? Yes. I know we've been we've been talking about it loosely, but I think that context would help. Yes. So quadras. Now I'm assuming a good number of people watching this are aware of the Myers Briggs type indicator. I've been talking about it quite a bit. Now quadras is something which socionics introduces, which the Myers Briggs type indicator hasn't really talked about. And that's based around values. They're groupings based on shared values. And what are values? Values are essentially from a Myers Briggs perspective, which cognitive functions are in the stack, you could say. It's different in sociology because we use all eight anyway. So it's our eight function stack rather than four function stack. But essentially the ones in the stack in MBTI would be the ones which are valued as opposed to neglected or subdued in socionics. So for instance, you take the ENTP, you take the what's called the INTP. I'd actually call that an INTJ, but they could say INTP. You take the ESFJ. And you take the ISFJ, what I call the ISFP. I do a PJ switch for introverts. But essentially, those types with extrovert intuition, introverted thinking, extroverted feeling, introverted sensing, right? All four of those types share those in their stack, as far as Myers-Briggs are concerned. That would be what we call a quadra, a collection of four types which share the same values. So even though they can be very, very different because of their strengths, they can do completely different things. They actually connect over what is important to them. What do they ultimately want out of life? What things that other types bring do they appreciate rather than scorn? That, that is what it's all about. And if you have that, you can bring together very different people who are nevertheless on the same page. That's mm. what it's all about, really. Gotcha. And so when people, do you find that when quadras are grouped together, they, they do better on, on average? How, how does that look like when they cross pollinate into different quadras? Well, it, it's, it's actually supported in um, some of the re uh, empirical research. It, research into teams found that the, uh, that values diversity was found to be counterproductive to teams working together. So it's, it's an idea which is shown also in empirical studies. That, mm. yeah, if you take that to um, that, that, there's significant overlap. There's enough overlap for socionics and what it says about quadra values to kind of apply there as well. So if you put together people of the same sort of quadra or maybe adjacent as well, they're more likely to be getting along more frequently. What I found is in my, my, my social groups, the ones where you know, the couples we tend to like to see again and again tend to also be alphas. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't have friends and other quadras. Absolutely, you should. It's going to be, you know, especially got it's common interests and things to talk about. They can provide a very interesting perspective. It's different to how you see it. So there's no question of, oh, you should always restrict yourself to um, the same quadra yourself. No. But if you want a more natural, harmonious interaction more frequently, yes, the people of the same quadra, you're more likely to get that. Even so, even so, it doesn't necessarily mean you always have the nice, friendly conversation. Let's say you've got two beaters. 
Um, now, if those two beta types, which are far more conflict-oriented than conflict-averse, let's say they have an ideological disagreement. They say one's a socialist, one's a capitalist. They go, actually could be go a bit at loggerheads over ideological reasons. So it's not necessarily the case that people in the same quadrant always get along better, but rather they may have a certain natural respect for one another, even as they enter into battle, because they will <laughs> operate under the same rules. If you take a Delta, a Delta could get along with a Beta, perhaps better than um, two Betas, simply because the Delta is going to avoid confrontation, not take a strong stand on very much compared to uh, a Beta. If, however, they are making a decision together, they'll come at it at completely different angles, which will seem back backward to one another. So it, it, it's it's more complex than simply saying that you'll get along with people in the same quadrant better. It's more right. about your way of thinking. And if you're aligned in the same goals, uh, it's, well, it's, it's more easy to align to the same goals if you're the same quadrant. But then there are other things which aren't necessarily type relevant, but more circumstance relevant, which could still throw that off. And how much right. it throws it off often depends on the particular quadras. So beta would not value. So sorry, we're not a. We'll respond more aggressively to some of these non-type related differences than say deltas might. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds. It sounds like in general, it it kind of gets it gets very messy when yes. you're just tying everything back to how people orient based off of values. And so when people mm. two different quadrant people come together or even the same quadrant, it's really like it's it comes to this, the values first, values mm. and I guess identity. And then mm. from there it depends it's circumstantial on the context of how you're connecting with somebody, right? Where, yes. you know, maybe the way that me and you connect, like, you know, if we just meet each other in a conversation, you know, that would be way more PG than if we probably went down other rabbit holes right yes. that are more um, connected to values the more value centric you 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 orient with somebody you you know you, you coalesce with them with right the, the more you're going to see that tension is that is that more or less yeah. the, the more aligned you're on values the less tension there should be um okay. what I'll, i'd also add to this that there are values and there are values so there are values which are <laughs> relevant to socionics type for instance how it's not so much what knowledge you have or what position or beliefs that you have that's more the other kind of values that's non-type specific that's more circumstantial but rather okay. for instance how you then treat the formation of your knowledge are you more inclined to take an ideological view versus a more pragmatic view it doesn't matter what the particular view is it's how are you treating it? That is the values which socionics come, uh, comes into it. And you may think of examples where you may have two people in the same political party who just can't get on. Why can't yeah. they get on? Because one takes a very pragmatic view and seems to lack principle to the other. But the other, who's far more ideological, is seen by the pragmatic one as being too much of a, st a stick in the mud and incapable <laughs> of actually changing his mind from looking at the facts. So even if they share supposedly the same beliefs, the same dogma, they may actually fall out greatly. Whereas you wouldn't necessarily right. get that in two people who are both ideologically concerned or pragmatically concerned. Yeah. So this this might be a tall order question here, but on the topic of getting along, getting on and not getting on, uh, you know, take somebody like for yourself, for example, you, you enter a room of a whole bunch of people you don't know, you're about to meet new people, new friends, maybe, you know, the whole spectrum of networking, you know, 
what do you think, you know, and this is, like I said, it's going to be a very broad question here, but, you know, what would, what would you focus on as somebody who's interested in adopting some socionics, but now I'm in the, the real world, I'm ready to, you know, kind of see the, this kind of stuff in live action, you know, what goes through your head, your headspace when you're meeting people, when you're trying to connect better or communicate better? Well, you, you got to figure out why would socionics be useful to them? So not everyone's going to be like me and just be interested in exploring all the depths and recesses of the theory. Yeah. Probably not. Now, there are often there are people who are interested in finding, well, there are three main areas, really. There's relationships, there's career, and there is self-development and growth. So when it comes to relationships, Socionics is very useful for relationships. It has helped my sister, for instance, find a, a partner who is very good for her. Um, I, I would say that if you have an understanding of what your jewel is like, that can greatly help you for them finding out through the different options available who might be a more conducive match for a longer-term relationship. And I've been in relationships before I met my wife, and they didn't work out, and they weren't my jewel. Um so I, I know what it's like to be in relationships which aren't dual-oriented. I can I know what it's like to have these misunderstandings and how the misunderstandings weren't, weren't as easily solved as they were with, with my dual. It's not as if my, my, uh, my, my wife and I don't argue. Of course we argue. But we yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't say we've ever actually been gone to bed upset at each other. <laughs> That's important. Yes. It is important. It's important to resolve <laughs> it before you go to bed. But um, we've been able to do that. I haven't. I wouldn't say I had. The, I was able to resolve things with such ease with other relationships I've had in the past. Um, so that's one thing: relationships. The other one is career. Well, when we talk about careers, lots of different ways in which you can look at it. Because you can't just say, "Oh, you're this type. There, you should go into this industry." No. It's about finding a particular kind of role within the industry that's best suited to you. And that's about understanding what your strengths are like. So if you are in a role where you are more hands-on, practical, more tactical in the moment, right? You should go to you go to a role which is good at that. Maybe that is something that you're going out and you're action-oriented. But let, let, let's, in other words, you shouldn't be in a role which is too strategic. It's more about who can get in there, work very hard to actually sort things out right here, right, right now, because that's what they're best at. They could be managing things. They could be overseeing different processes, making sure things are, things are being done well, not making too many mistakes, that kind of role. That can be in all sorts of fields and areas. Or you go to someone who's more strategic, or, for instance, someone who is very good at tapping into how people are feeling and motivating them towards a long-term outcome. That, again, can be in all sorts of fields and roles. You find what you're passionate about and you find the role within the field that you're passionate about, which is best suited to your strengths. So this is what it's about for finding the right kind of career. It's, it's, it's not, I'm not here to tell you you should be in, say, finance as opposed to the military or as opposed to healthcare. It's rather... Make looking at the ro roles that are available in that field, and are the roles there ones which overlap with your natural strengths? And mm -hmm. to give you a bit of extra, 
is there also some growing into part of that role which taps into where you you aspire to become better at mm. and it's not playing too much on your weakest points so for instance in psychology i've been an ea or a pa and i've been an actual psychologist i was far better i'm far better at being a psychologist in psychology than being an ea to a psychologist people <laughs> would laugh when they hear that was my role it was my entry in but i had yeah. to manage the diary of a psychologist and i was not good at it and it made me miserable because <laughs> i didn't feel i could ever be really good at this no matter how hard i tried because it was so detail oriented and i was living in fear because i i knew i would never be good at this um so yeah you, this is kind of a philosophy uh, behind matching uh, type to a good career um also in terms of careers relationships also comes into that team building for instance let's say you are a team leader let's say you've got a team let's say you want to better understand the people in your team so someone can give you that kind of understanding and again rather like with marriage counseling get one run through techniques to form some kind of charter in your team for how you can actually be on the same page and how to make sure each person gets what they need and actually have a team offsite or group discussion to better understand that because it's amazing how much people work alongside each other you don't really understand each other and they just assume <laughs> things of one another because they're judging people through their own lenses rather than actually seeing things from their perspective um self development and growth that's the third one well is about highlighting and targeting those areas of growth you may the an idea of socionics is yes you got parts which you value which you're not good at and parts which you don't value but you're also not good at it's important to think about your growth in terms of the parts you actually value rather than the parts you feel are expected of you by the rest of society and so you find that people of a certain of certain types end up growing into their role function which is basically the part which you put on because you feel you have to rather than what actually gives you satisfaction and actually mm. makes you feel proud of what you've done so mm. yeah okay you should know about the other side enough to get by but also by having someone provide your suggestive function this is what your dual provides you actually don't need to use that more uncomfortable role function as much um and you can focus on the areas of growth which are actually most suitable to your your enjoyment and your sense of self-worth um so it gives you a a map it gives you a um a way of navigating through uh, a, a path of your own growth and development yeah that's you know i think that's a i think we should dive deeper on that like yeah can you, can you go through the information elements and, and talk a little bit more about how that can be so beneficial to your to your mental health, to your to your purpose, to, to the things that actually matter? Yes. So in terms of information elements, just so people know, this is kind of like the cognitive, it's basically the cognitive functions, which you came up with. But the information metabolism elements are more formally defined. And they aren't just things in your head. instead they're meant to be fundamental categories of reality both the physical reality and also the more imagined reality it's anything which is possible as well as actual that is felt or thought about makes up information and these information elements are these categories and there are certain dichotomies ways of breaking up our reality around us to to make sense of what is what in my course 
the first thing we talk about are is information metabolism elements because we want to be able to very clearly define what is what what is extroverted sensing as opposed to introverted sensing what are the differences because once you know what is what then you can say right if i know that i need this thing say extroverted sensing i know not to confuse that with introverted sensing which i don't need <laughs> So yeah. you need to have very good clarity. If you go on YouTube and listen to a lot of these typologists, they often don't have a clue what any of these things actually mean. They'll give you find five to six different definitions which will contradict each other. And none of them give a very clear reason for why they settle on that definition versus another one. They just heard this, they've heard that, they've mishmashed it together. It becomes a complete mess. So you need to really have discipline in identifying what is what. If you don't, you're going to end up confused. You're going to be chasing, you're going to be chasing your tail when trying yeah. to figure out your your, your personal development. Um, so, in terms of information elements, I, I could go into all eight. It, it takes about uh, two hours. Um, <laughs> I know because I've done the lecture on it. It takes two yeah. hours. Is there is there a is there a short and sweet version? Okay, so what I would say is this: you have four. <laughs> no, first of all. You, there are eight of them. You have four domains. What are those four domains? Well, there's intuition versus sensation and logic versus ethics. Intuition sure. versus sensation, this is all information which is descriptive. Just what is, what could be, what will be. No judge, but just what is, could be, etc. It describes. And yeah. it's either, can be you can be describing things which are real and concrete and actual in the room right now, like my grey jumper, Right. Or you can be describing things which are potential, which are imagined. Like, for instance, um, let's say, um, what could happen if I were to sneeze right now? And how would events maybe play out as a result? So that would be abstract. It's not in the room right now. It's somewhere else. If it's not here, it's a could be, right? It's a, it's a will be or a may have been. It also could be in the past. That's, that's intuition, right? That's one, that's one half. The other half is prescriptive information. So oughts and shoulds. Is it correct? Is it incorrect? Right, wrong, better, worse? All those sorts of ideas, right? Now, either you can think about that sort of stuff. It is more fact or rule-based. You can directly share your reasoning with someone else to put together an understanding of what is true, right? As opposed to not true, hence it's judgment. And that is logic. The opposite is ethics, which is more about how you feel. Does that feel good? Does that feel wrong? Do you, um, what are your sentiments telling you? That would be ethics. And logic, of course, is more useful for, you know, facts, statistics, rules, structures, sciences. Whereas ethics is far more interpersonal. It's tapping into how, not only how you feel, but how other people feel. So, how you can command group social values, for instance. So, yeah, those are four domains. Each of those four then divides into a further two based mm. on, to really simplify it, one's more introverted, one's more extroverted. Uh, one is accumulating, which is extroverted. It's more about breadth rather than depth. The other's more refining, more about quality rather than quantity, uh, depth again rather than breadth. So okay. if you go to say, let's take sensation, right? Two mm -hmm. kinds of sensation. There's extroverted sensation, which is the far more pushy, far more assertive, very sorts of intense action, 
approach to sensation where it's about I want I want to I want to take I want to take charge of my surroundings I want to maximize my impact it's very adrenaline oriented you could say whereas introverted sensing is not adrenaline oriented it's very oxytocin oriented it's about being comfortable and harmonizing and balancing your sensory experiences for quality in the here and now think of the guy who get who builds the big castle versus the person who finds that cozy little cottage in the woods and that's kind of how you're getting to these different understandings around sensation. But this is the thing, yeah. because people don't aren't clear in what things are, you get a different understanding of sensation than Myers-Briggs. I think, oh, but extrovert sensation, that's all about perceiving things in the, in the day-to-day. So what's introvert sensing? Oh, it's got something to do with the past and past sense data stuff, and they tend to be quite traditional and not like change. But that's still nothing to do with sensation. It's got nothing to do with an attitude towards what is physical and concrete and real, which is not in the past. It, it is also here right now. And one is, you know, the sort of the, the one is more aggressive and assertive. The other one's far more peaceful. And to to lump those two things together into extrovert sensation makes the theory useless because there's such an important salient difference between people you must make that a different thing otherwise what are you doing with your personality theory um so, so yeah so so these orientations that are further divided those are equally as important because like you said you know the the sensing example that that you're mentioning that's very interesting because it's you know people don't think in terms of like their environment well what kind of environment are we talking about right or what kind of intuition or what kind of thinking or, or ethics, right? Yes. Um, could you could you give another example? Yes. On... Yes. So let's talk about intuition now. So intuition, this is either about broadening things out, so acquiring more and more possibilities as opposed to actualities, right? It's no longer I want the big mansion. It's I want to be open to all the possibilities the world has to offer. It's an open-minded, very curious, quite whimsical person. Someone like that may go into something to do with discovery, something to do with uncovering new things for the sake of pursuing new things. Someone like that's not going to be very aggressive. They're going to be very open-minded. If anything, someone like that could benefit from someone else who is harmonizing the day-to-day -day experiences when they've been out there turning over every stone to find you know, all sorts of interesting wonders of the universe. You need someone who's actually going to harmonize and collect that together who's more introverted sensing. Meanwhile, you've got that extroverted sensing sort of person, almost like the warrior, the fighter, right? They, they, they're taking things on, they go for, they, they're up for the cup, very much, very ambitious, but often they don't know where things are going. They need a different sort of intuition. They don't want to broaden things out. They want to run at something with all their might and take it down, right? So they need someone who gives them a sense of the long-term purpose or, me, or significance or strategy. <laughs> and that is a narrowing down of the possible, of the ambiguous towards, no, this is going to happen. This is relevant. Don't waste your time with all that stuff. This is the goal. you got to work towards that. Now yes. suddenly the extrovert sensing type, helped by introverted intuition, has something they know they need to fight for. And they'll give their all to that. So yeah. that, that's intuition and sensation and how different they are, but how they actually complement across the divide. Mm. Now go to logic and ethic. 
right? Logic, yeah. right? Extroverted logic versus introverted logic, right? I was talking a bit before, before about the pragmatic approach versus the ideological approach. You may be at work. You may know someone. If you're quite pragmatic, right, you don't like red tape. You want, you know, red tape gets in the way. You want to cut it out. You don't care about what these rules and structures are. How do we move forward and make things work, right? Well, it's the introverted logic one who may seem sometimes a bit like rules for the sake of rules or, oh, I don't I don't like the way you're feeling. That's not how we do it. That's not how that makes sense. It doesn't fit together. That you're sort of working with two different things and you're mucking it up. And that sort of dis that sort of disgruntlement you can get from someone when you work on the most pragmatic way forwards. And they almost feel a bit sort of theoretically purist about how it all fits together. That leads to a very clear clash. So essentially one towards structural thinking. Someone's very structured in their way of thinking. They don't like breaking the structure because if you break the structure, right, how do you make sense of everything? What's the point underlying it? How does it all fit together <laughs> theoretically? Um, yeah. They're going to struggle with that sort of mix and mash, bash it together. Does it work? It seems to work. It leads to better results. So let's do that. Even if it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is a very clear clash. And you see all over the clash between pragmatists and ideologues. Look, for instance, in in to America, look at the clash between um, between um, Thomas Jefferson on the one hand and Alexander Hamilton on the other. Hamilton was definitely the relentless pragmatist. He, you know, whatever was needed to make uh, America a strong working state, he would do, even if it trampled on some of the ideals of the founding fathers for America. Then look at Thomas Jefferson all about the ideals of why America is there in the first place and uh, uh, avoiding <laughs> the corruption and beholdenness of the states to the federal government. And very much sort of saying, no, this is going against our principles. I don't like it. How they clashed, how they hated each other. That is an example of structural thinking versus pragmatic thinking. Now yeah. we turn to ethics, right? The people who are very much about what they're expressing to a room full of emotional vibrancy often very popular very very much liked by the public in general because they're able to broadcast their emotions is extroverted ethics emotional expression how you are intensifying the emotional landscape and you compare that to those people who are not very expressive who are very much about one-to-one -one loyalties very much about i don't care about the, what the public are thinking it's me and you and how I like you as a person and my attitude towards you, which shouldn't change with my mood and how I'm feeling and how I'm expressing myself. And so you've got this sort of style versus substance uh, difference going on, where one is very much about how they're broadcasting, how they're marketing. Marketers often are extroverted ethics, politicians often extroverted ethics. But then the people who at the end of the day, through thick and thin, they'll be by you and they will be, you know, they won't talk about things they won't make a video about how they feel and some sort of status for everyone to see it's very much about how they feel towards you personally and knowing where you stand with them not because they have um written the whole love song to express everything but because they said to you this is how how i feel towards you it's quite a matter of fact way not doesn't didn't need to be expressed in some sort of emotive way and you see these sorts of um, disagreements between people, one who are more matter of fact, say what they think, and people who then are styling how they are feeling in a way to get you to experience the, the heights of their emotions. 
without necessarily telling you accurately and matter-of-factly their attitudes. Yeah. This again leads to clashes. Perceptions of what is sincere versus what is not sincere. If you don't broadcast your emotions enough, people won't grasp or appreciate how you're feeling. But if you are all about the broadcasting, you can lose yourself in the image you're trying to create. And that can create a sort of a lack of perceived sincerity. Think about some of the politicians we have at the moment, you know, the sort of yeah. do or what they say, is it really how they feel? Is it just what they're broadcasting for the sake of the message? Right. This is very much in the, in the, in the realm of ethics and those sorts of disagreements. So, so when it comes to these information elements, um, I had a, I had an interesting t- like a thought, you know, going back to like the warrior, the, the speaker, all these different char- characteristics of different um, elements, you know, for somebody who's like in the day to day, like for me or, or somebody listening, for example, you know, how do we know we're the warrior? How do we know that we value the extroverted sensing or mm. how do we, how do we know that we're like these intraday, we, we embody these, these, these elements intraday, you know, cause not everybody's going to look like a warrior, mm. right? Yeah, it may look, it may have it may have different outlooks of what that what that presents. Yeah. So you got to know what's what. So if you know what the extra what, what the elements are, and you've got a good understanding of yourself, and you can see yourself in different situations, what are the aspects of yourself which frequently come to the fore as being yes, I am best at these things. This is what I'm about. Versus no, I'm not about this. Sometimes I have to do this. I can catch myself doing this in situations, but I'm not doing it for its own sake, doing it because it's expected of me. If you, when you start to pass that out, then you start getting an idea of your type. Now that could be a very difficult exercise. That's certainly not necessarily easy. <laughs> Some people that that's they, they can do that sort of stuff. Other people can't. Sometimes maybe you could benefit from someone who knows what they're doing because they've been doing it for a few years to actually talk to you and figure out your type for you. That's one of my paid services. So it, it, it depends on whether you are someone who has that self-awareness and has been, have been willing to acquire the knowledge necessary to make sense of it for yourself. Because you can type yourself. Nothing wrong with typing yourself. You just need to do the learning and do the reflection. Now, if you don't, if you don't want to go to all that effort, you can ask someone else to look at you. And yeah. that's what I'm perfectly happy to do. Gotcha. Yeah, because I can imagine a lot of folks, you know, I mean, like you said, there's like three really main applications, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I think, you know, in terms of like, where, where do you think people should start if they're, if they're saying to themselves right now, okay, cool. Like, I would like to know my type. I'd like to know how I interact with the world around me. You know, where do I, where do I start in terms of going down that journey of, of who that person is with that type? Yeah. So, well, I've put some material up on my blog, which is entirely free to look at, um, I think there's a lot of dangers in that there's a lot of different conflicting pieces of information. When I talk about socionics, I talk about the socionics which I've been thinking through and compiling and making sense of over a few years. Before going through all that effort, socionics is a bit of a mess. A bit like Demise Briggs <laughs> is often a bit of a mess with different ideas floating around. You'll get that all over typology. And you'll have to travel that whole sea and visit all the different islands before you start to get some sort of idea of how it all fits together, which is very, very difficult. I've done a lot of the work for you in putting together my course. Now, so you've got, you got to make a choice. Do you, do, you want, do you want the information to be readily accessible and understandable at a cost, at a price, or are you going to do it for free and work it out yourself? 
you can do both. You can do either. Nothing wrong with either. They both have their advantages and disadvantages. The reason I put together my course is because I wanted something which would put together the information in a clear enough way where anyone taking it at a completely beginner level can finish with a very advanced understanding of socionics. So that serves a purpose, but it also is costly. I say costly, it's not, it's not like, a, for instance, if you wanted to qualify in the Myers-Briggs type indicator, you'd be paying 2.8 thousand pounds, or perhaps even $3,000 or something like that, a lot, right? What I do is if you, if, if you get each module one by one and take your time with it, it will cost 600 pounds. If you, um, if you get it all at once, you'll get a 10% discount, so £540. So I'm a lot cheaper than learning the Myers-Briggs, and it's a better theory than the Myers-Briggs, considerably <laughs> better, so many times better. So that's one way of doing it. If, however, you'd rather learn yourself, fair enough, learn yourself without taking a course, there's lots of material. Wikisocion tends to be pretty good. Lots of good profiles on there. As I said, I've got some free stuff on my blog. Just type in introduction to socionics. You can find that on my worldsocionics.blogspot.com. I've put up a number of short videos on my YouTube channel, which are also very clear, uh, very easy to understand different parts of the type from that. I'm going to be doing more videos on that. I'm going to be doing um, a, a video for each type, actually. And I've also written type profiles on Blogspot. They're about seven years old now so i might update a yeah. few of them but they're still it's, it's, it's still good information um okay. yeah you could also read the original work of austra augustin who was the founder and creator of socionics not all of her ideas i would keep today it is very much you know any originator any idea is going to have an imperfect view even you know i have an imperfect view i'm still working on it and improving it it's a work in progress it always is yeah so, but that's a good way to understand where these ideas came from. Some of the ideas may be a bit odd. Some may, some, some information that's maybe tied to certain parts of the body in sort of weird occultish ways, mm -hmm. but you'll get this sort of weird stuff, but that's part of the history. Um, there's also a good website, uh, which actually has, it's called, it's called classic socionics, something like that. It basically has, um, translated a number of the works of Austria, Augustine Vichuti and other socionics. So if you want to delve into that, yeah, I strongly recommend. Very interesting stuff. Um, so lots of different ways of looking at it. Um, but you may come out with a great deal of confusion. There are some concepts which only I've actually gone through and really thought about to the level of clarity needed to actually make sense of them. Some of these rainy <laughs> dichotomies, for instance, aren't really well understood by the people who talk about them. And it's very complicated and you have to sort of go into what are the parts making it up to figure out what the actual meanings could be. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is it is by no means will you necessarily, by taking the free non, non WSS course approach, come out of it with that sort of complete understanding. But you, yeah. you should certainly know enough to be able to type yourself. And, yeah, I've known people who have simply followed all my free stuff and have come out mm -hmm. actually very capable socionists it's perfectly possible absolutely oh my God. that's that's glad to hear great to hear because it's probably a lot of people listening to this like hey i want to get involved but you know yeah. i feel like i feel like 90 to 95 percent of those folks are going to be like obviously yeah I'll, I'll take it for you know at their own pace and whatever mm -hmm. 
Um, but having all the, having all this amassed information, and I know this is going to ruffle your feathers, right? But having all this knowledge, both practical and ideological, right? Um, I mean, what what are like some like clear ways people can walk away, like whether it's generic or very specific? What are some clear things that like maybe I could walk away with having socionics in my life three months, six months, a year? What does it look like having that kind of knowledge, you know, and being able to apply it? What does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, like take me, for example, uh, I don't, you know, for the sake of the podcast, I don't know my, my type, but let's just say, you know, I'm, I'm just a, you know, I'm a first goer to, to socionics and I'm trying to yeah. relate it to my life and say, okay, cool. Well, what can I, what can I, what can I practically use it for in my life or the applications, right? We've talked well, a lot about this, but. So, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go down to sort of, sort of the basics. Let's say you are meeting someone and you're thinking, okay, I really don't understand this person. This person sure. is something really off about this, but I don't, I don't get them at all. Simply yeah. knowing what socionics is, which is a theory of differing personality types, you can think, oh, Maybe socionics has the answer to this and understanding this. Now, what I would say in that situation is try to really understand what is the nature of this clash between you and them, right? Mm -hmm. If you can understand that nature of that clash, that could perhaps help you to then figure out what their type is. And then you can then go and seek out more information to help you yeah. figure out that type. So, yeah, that, this is one of the big flaws of socionics. There's a big barrier to entry because it's so complicated. You can't right. simply go E versus I and N versus S and all the rest. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't break down that way. But it, so it's it's it yeah. sounds like it's really good with conflict resolution, though. Very good at conflict resolution. Yeah. Conflict well, that's resolution. why I said Ma marriage counseling is again a bit like conflict <laughs> resolution. It, it 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 applies to many different areas, but it's the same kind of idea. It's two people yeah. who have disagreements and problems and figuring out a way to make it work well for both. So when it comes to that situation, at least you know if you're a complete beginner to so at least you're aware of the idea of different personality types. And if someone sees things so differently to you, maybe you're not right. Maybe you're both right, or maybe you're both wrong, and you're only looking at half of the issue. That's a general philosophy in which those things can be helpful. What if you, you are in your role, right, and in your at work, and there's just something you can't do and you're beating yourself up about it? Well, maybe so you can know, okay, maybe so someone can help me to understand why this is so difficult for me and what could be a way in which I could do this differently, which would actually draw from my natural strengths. Mm. Would you say that it, like on a, at a baseline, uh, socionics would level up your your gener general conscientiousness? Well, you mean, you mean conscientiousness about how, in terms of how hardworking and organized you are or self-consciousness? I would I would say self consciousness, right? Because like you know, yeah. in terms of the the more you understand about people and yourself, the more conscientious you are about your your the micro duties of your life and macro, mm. right? It sounds like the more understanding it it, mm. it balances out. It sounds like you have a, a more rewarding social life and you know inter dialogue life, you know, in terms of how you operate with yourself, mm. right? Every type has a journey to make and understand that. Well, I say every type has a journey to make. Some types 
have almost they start by having made the journey but then they need something to make that sustainable and other types actually have a journey to make and it's knowing <laughs> what that journey is that is their sort of growth for me i was definitely a journey person right i need to go on the journey from being that sort of very odd theoretical person who didn't fit into social groups to being someone who could actually find a community that I could be part of. So that was my journey. I'm still working on that journey and make, but I'm pretty much there. I'm nearly there in terms of actually, I'm on the outskirts of a village I found essentially. Now <laughs> my wife, she's already made the journey, but the problem is she doesn't have the natural theoretical understanding of how it all makes sense and fits together to keep that sustainable thing rather than mm. some sort of, um, sort of, some sort of blind um, conformity. Mm. So I get to, to think about things and, and shake things up a little bit. So it, once yeah. you understand socionics, you can just figure out what is the sort of journey you need, what do you need to make, having finished that journey, something which mm. is sustainable and workable and enriching, rather than a sort of um, a stagnant space. That's actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's mm. like, I totally get the sustainable part, right? Mm. Because, you know, we get on a roll, we create momentum for our lives. We're, you know, we're kind of filling our 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 life cup of, of water. But then we want to mm. keep that going, right? We want to keep what we're doing, you know, whether it's you're finished the journey or not. But I think odds are most people would agree that, you know, we want the best for ourselves most days, mm. right? And it sounds like, just knowing a little bit of socionics and understanding thyself and, and, and the information elements, you know, trying to, you know, knowing that you're a warrior type and a ethical type, you know, what kind of ethical type you are, intuitive yeah. type, have, knowing all your orientations, you know, it, it, it's, it seems almost like a, a lot of, you know, it may help with insecurities as well. Right. You know, cause yeah. I, I've seen, I've seen this very, you know, very often we've all, everybody's succumbed to insecurity at some point or another, but then yeah. also realizing that, Hey, this thing that I'm insecure about is really just not a good thing about me. Like this is just something I, I suck at. Right. Like you yeah. said, being pouring the rice on the scale, right. It's some types lean towards certain kinds of insecurities over others. So I'll give you an example, a, a good number of, um, because I do feedback sessions and recruitments and promotions with people going for very senior roles at, at this large bank. I've met a good number of people, more often than not women, who are EIIs in socionics, which are sort of like the, we call it the INFJ. You'd think of it as being perhaps more of an INFP if you're in Myers-Briggs. Uh, sure. F-I-N-N-E, introverted feeling, extroverted intuition, the main two functions. Yeah. This is a type which very frequently experiences imposter syndrome more than just the average uh, woman. Cause a lot of women tend to experience imposter syndrome anyway, because of the lower confidence rating statistically, but for this type, it's especially magnified and it leads to a tendency for them to continuously seek um, approval and validation in terms of have they actually done a good job and they can really bother their, their line managers by saying, did I do well here? Is this right? Is this well good enough? And it can be yeah. again and again and again and again. They never are quite secure in themselves that they actually are competent people, even though they work incredibly hard and they actually do end up very competent and very trusted. They still never quite feel as if 
they are deserving of that praise and deserving of that position because they know as soon as they make a big mistake or any sort mm -hmm. of mistake, that will confirm to them, no, I was useless all along. I just knew it. <laughs> so being aware yeah. of that, that it's, it's not it's not that you are crazy. It's that you have a that, that's what your personality. You're just not confident in this area, and you need someone who can actually provide you with that support in that area to make sure you feel more confident. But but also to have certain techniques because it's not just they've got the typology. We can have our interfaces with coaching. So what do I tell these sorts of people? Right. You're, yes, you should see feedback. You absolutely do need feedback from people. Absolutely right. When you get feedback in a certain area, don't ask for feedback again in the same area. If they said you're good at it, you're good at it. <laughs> Write it down. I'll keep a little journal. You're good at this. Right? Okay? So right. you remember, you're good at it. You don't ask them again. Don't bother people when you've already been told you're good at it. So right. things like that, techniques like that, which from knowing the type enables one to then channel and direct one's style of coaching to suit them and their mm. particular needs another example lies a bit like these the entj right this is a type which often doesn't readily get to know and trust people in the immediate moment they need to to, to gather almost longitudinal data on the person so trends and patterns over time of how they behave in this situation versus this situation versus this situation and start to trust them. Now, that can be difficult when they need to actually start delegating their responsibilities to others. Because the type that wants to be able to delegate because they don't want to be tied up in the weeds. They, the weeds stress them out. But they sometimes feel like they have to be in the weeds because they can't trust anyone to do this role. <laughs> so that becomes yeah. a problem. So what do you do? How do you get a good sense of people? Maybe you need to actually have people around you who you trust to be good at getting a read of someone and looking them in the eye and telling you, yeah, that's a good egg. That's someone you can trust for this. You can trust someone yeah. on this deal. This stakeholder is not a stake in the grass. Just because the last person you talked to betrayed you doesn't mean this next person is actually going to betray you. You can actually, I could trust them. I'll vet them for mm. you. Right? Yeah. These sorts of things make it so much easier. And once you're talking to the type and you, the person that type, and you know why they're doing what they're doing. You know, why, why has an LIE become hugely distrustful? Because they've been burned in the past and they feel that they are weak and pathetic if they keep on being open to people and it just causes them to be vulnerable again because they need mm. to feel that they are tougher than they actually are. So it, these sorts of things enables you to help and direct your coaching. That's actually, that's, that's, that sounds really good, to be honest. That's, it, it sounds so complimentary the more you, you think about how the more you understand thyself, the more and then the more you can fill people in your life that can help you with your your either help enhance what you're good at or or mitigate the the challenge the, the challenge areas, right? Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely seen that in my life. You know, mm. taking socionics into consideration, especially the example you used. You know, in terms of trust and, you know, trust has always been a big thing for me. So, you know, leaning into that, knowing my shortcomings with, with trust, mm. for example, mm. uh, it, it always, you know, and the, the cool thing about socionics is like, you know, me personally, it's, it's not really in the background as much, but I, I, you know, I open the, the treasure chest every now and then, and I'm always amazed to see when I, you know, the the, pot, the the potential to see something differently, right? Like where I where I where I was with trust a year ago is totally different 
right? Mm. Um, just knowing socionics long term, right? And um, I think there's something to say about the longevity of being conscientious of the information elements. You know, we haven't really talked much about the different dimensionalities of, you oh, know, yes. per type, but um, but I think like like you said, there's there's such a uh, a depth to socionics where there's plenty of field to explore regardless of which part you want to go into personal development or career, you know, relationships. Um, and I think, you know, for me, it's been most beneficial with inner type relations. I've focused more on that in the personal dev than career. Yeah. Right. Cause I feel like naturally for me or naturally for me, career is a little more obvious. Yeah. Right. And, but to some folks, it might flip flop. They'll be like, oh, I need yeah. to be career focused and less on the, you know. So, yeah, I think, yeah, sorry. But that makes sense because, again, in your case, you're, you've already completed the journey. You started out at the end of the journey. It's now making yes. what you have sustainable. And so for you, it is about your relationships are needed. You, you're already that independently successful person right so the goal for you is how do i then make that sustainable how do i interact with other people in a way which i maintain my independence not taken away from me because they may have bad intentions so you've got to form connections um of trust with people who have been vetted well and you from them being able to vouch on your behalf you can then build better connections with others so almost it's a paradox to actually make yourself sustainably independently successful you actually need to have connections and allies and you need to be able to read those people so you know those allies aren't going to turn into snakes in the grass yeah and, and there's a degree of vulnerability that that follows mm. with it right yes so and that's that's you know a byproduct of of learning this this part of my my profile anyways hey this requires some growth this requires some vulnerability this requires some some trust this requires a different way to do things right um even if it doesn't feel natural it, it definitely if it's if it's wiggled the right way then it, it is natural i think a lot of the times um well i uh i'm not losing speed at all i have like a billion questions i could ask you but you know for the for the sake of time i think we're at a good place where you know people have taken uh a lot of socionics in. <laughs> and uh so I guess I want to wrap up with, you know, some good takeaways, right? Yeah. And I think some takeaways hearing you talk about, you know, how you got involved, you know, discovering your passion for, for people and, and helping serving people, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a part of that that's heavily due to wanting to help others, right? It's serving. Mm. It's, it's mm. through understanding you're, it's, understandings the, the byproduct of helping people is through understanding socionics and understanding the systems and really hmm. leveraging the applications that it has right i think i think a good takeaway is if you're passionate about or if you're somewhat interested in in how people work and how you want to better socialize communicate build your relationships you know socionics is definitely a must-have in the arsenal Right. I found it to be a powerful tool. And I think hearing how diverse 
and, and, and flexible Sonics is with each information element, all these different orientations. It gives a, it gives plenty, it gives plenty of, of space to explore as somebody just getting mm-hmm. into it. Right. It's, you know, it, it may seem overwhelming, but I think if you take, you take it one step at a time and you focus on, you know, maybe like your, your, the, 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 the information elements that are like more about your day to day, like the main ones. Right. And yeah. I think if you, you focus, I think you bring up a good point. You focus on one of the, one of the spheres, right. Whether it's career, personal endeavor relations, you start right. with somewhere that you, where you want to value or orient yourself. Cause that will lead you kind of like in the inverse direction of like discovery as well. Right. Because yes. with, with socionics, I found it's like as much as you are, you know, looking at what's what you value, but you also need to take a look at what you don't value, which may be more invisible than, than you think it's, it's, it's a lot harder than just lifting up a rock and seeing the shadow. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the thing D- different types will learn socionics differently. So if you're yeah. someone who wants to dive into the theory, that's yeah. different to someone who, oh, no, I have a problem or I want to understand this in terms of how this helps me. If you're very relationship driven, you want to understand it through your relationships. If you're someone who, who for them, understanding relationships is key to actually them fixing a problem in their life, often an LIE can do that, then so <laughs> will need to be understood in terms of how to navigate relationships. If you are someone who, you know, you're not confident in your career prospects, that's where it become useful. Then you had to understand it in that sort of sphere. How do I utilize this information to actually solve the problems in my life? That's the mm-hmm. thing. You, you, got, you got to treat this in terms of what type are you? So what would be socionics be for you that would be helpful? And yeah. what matches with your values in terms of that theory that can actually be helpful? Right. Know which figure out what you value, figure out yeah. like, you know, figure out what you value. Then, then from there, figure out the utility of what you're yes. trying to accomplish. You know, yeah. makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Hey, I, uh, I want to wrap this up, Jack. And, uh, I just want to thank you so much for giving us the, the short version of socionics. <laughs> um, thank I think you for having me on. Yeah, I think, I, I think, it. Yeah, absolutely. I think plenty of people will, will take away from this episode in a better direction, maybe with applications of socionics. And I'll post in the in the credits and everything, uh, you know, links to Jack and everything that is World of Socionics. So you'll be able to find him in any platform. It'll be in the description. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Thanks again, Jack. Right. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah. Hit me up. Pop me an email. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Take care. Take care.